according to Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it, be according with, let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. <clears throat> Mary, the mother of Jesus, is one of the few people in Scripture who receives a call from God and doesn't try to get out of it. Mary doesn't require God to prove God's faithfulness like Abraham did. She doesn't negotiate or bargain with the angel as Jacob did. <clears throat> Mary doesn't claim to be unworthy or incapable of the work that God calls her to like Moses was. She doesn't rail against God or run away like Jonah. She doesn't try to get out of it, even though compared to Abraham and Moses or Jacob or Jonah, Mary would have seemed to be the most unworthy. She is the last person anyone would have expected to receive such a blessing, such a message of care, such a calling from God. And yet, she doesn't try to get out of it. She doesn't tell the angel that she needs proof. She doesn't negotiate. Mary doesn't claim her unworthiness. She doesn't run away. She just responds. And this is not a story of Mary being acted upon or just of her great faith. It's about all the ways that Mary responds to God's call in her life. Most of us probably have not experienced an angel like Gabriel just showing up in front of us. It makes sense that Mary is a little perplexed and that she's pondering. But our gospel writer Luke says it's the greeting itself that she ponders. When the angel says to her, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. That is almost more surprising than an angel showing up in front of her. Because nothing in Mary's life would suggest that she was favored or that the Lord was with her. A young, unmarried woman in ancient Israel, living in a small town called Nazareth, she was no one. She was the last person anyone would expect to receive a call from God. And so, of course, this is perplexing. Of course, she is pondering this greeting. And how many of us have been confused by what God is doing in our lives? I know I found myself perplexed by and pondering God for all sorts of reasons. But Mary is likely perplexed by the angel's statements that she is a favored one, that the Lord is with her. How could this be? 
For Mary, she would imagine the heroes from her scriptures, leaders and kings and patriarchs, and she definitely doesn't fit into any of those boxes. But throughout scripture, for those biblical heroes like Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Jonah, the favor they receive from God is God's blessing, God's care, God's call for Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Jonah and for Mary to be favored by God means to be chosen to be a blessing to others. And I think that kind of favor should receive some pondering. We might spend some time being perplexed by it because this favor is not an easy one to receive. For Mary, it's a blessing, a message, and a call that will completely change her life and the entire world forever. And so in light of this life-changing call, Mary's got a question. After pondering the angel's greeting and then listening to what it is that God's favor and love and presence mean for Mary, Mary asks, how can this be? And in this one question, Mary asks so many questions. How can God favor me when I'm the last person anyone would expect? How can God be with me when most of the time in my culture I am invisible? How could I conceive a child when I'm a virgin? How could that child that I conceive be the son of the Most High? How can I be the mother of the one who sits on the throne of David? How can this be? Mary was already a person of faith, and sometimes we're afraid to allow questions to exist in our faith. We worry that our faith might be too fragile, but it's in the questioning that we figure things out. It's how we grow in our faith, and it's how we recognize what God is calling us to do. Part of this questioning is questioning where our places are as God's hands and feet in our world. And personally, I've got lots of questions. Because for some reason, the moments in my life where I have felt blessed and cared for and called are often the moments that bring me outside of myself and outside of the church. And those moments that I have been tugged or pulled are super nerve-wracking. <laughs> Personally, my calling right now in my personal life with my husband has been parenthood, which I can safely say now that my daughter is nine months old and is now mobile, is very nerve-wracking. God calls us in more than just the roles we discover in our lives, but as a church as well. This last year in our congregation, God has been calling us more and more outside our doors. And I, as a pastor, have been called more and more into our community. And let me tell you, that's super scary to sit in the cap office with a collar on. There's a lot of unknown when we do big events like a movie night or a community meal or even our beer and carols event last night. And no matter what the event is, no matter how much planning we, go, we do going into it, it seems I've always got questions the moment of. Logistically, there are important questions to be asking. Last night, for instance, I was probably annoying our wonderful waitstaff, asking questions about seating and introductions and everything else. We ask logistical questions of ourselves, what steps do we need to take next? And we ask questions of God in our prayers and in our planning. Last night, as I drove to Red Kitchen, I found myself praying, asking God to be with us in our time together. We ask God if this is where we are being called, as individuals, as a church. And like Mary, we ask God, how can this be? How can we do what you are calling us to do? And then, after and maybe in the middle of all this perplexing and pondering all our fears and questions, Mary responds to the angel, here am I. Because even with her pondering and question, when the angel tells her nothing is impossible for God, Mary trusts it. 
Her whole life is being upended. This isn't just the worries we might have over what God is calling us to do in our ministry, but this is the kind of trust in God that completely changes a life. This young, unmarried woman in ancient Israel, living in a small town called Nazareth, about to be pregnant with the Son of God, she trusts that God makes possible the impossible, and that God is calling her, and that this call is not just for her, but for her to be a blessing to others. Through the Holy Spirit's gift to her, she bears a gift for all the world. She bears the Son who brings God's love and favor, who is literally God with us on earth. Even when we are so perplexed or vexed or confused by what God is doing in our lives that our faith feels clouded. When we are so busy pondering what God can do for us that we forget what God is calling us to do for others. Our questions become wrapped up in ourselves and our own wants and needs when the unknown paralyzes us and stops us from being God's hands and feet in our world. We fail at trusting God. We fail to say, here I am. Sometimes we relate better to Moses or Jonah than we do to Mary. And when we fail to respond to God's call in our lives, to God's favor, to God with us, a baby is to be born. The Son of the Most High, the Son of God. And this baby will grow up to heal and to feed, to love and to serve and to go to the cross for all of us. Jesus goes to the cross because even in our failures, we are still God's favored ones. Jesus rises from the dead and conquers sin and death to forgive us of our failures so that even in our doubts, even in our questions, even when you think that you're the last one anyone would expect to receive a call from God, you can know that this love and grace is for you and that the Lord is still with you. The Lord is still calling you. The Lord still sends the Son of God for you. So that, like Mary, we can receive this love and mercy and favor and share this child to be born in a manger with those we meet. So that we question ourselves and our callings and allow the space for God to do the impossible. So that we can ponder our roles as God's people for God's world and be blessings to others. A child is to be born, the Son of God, so that we can have even a fraction of the trust that Mary shares. And that we can say to God, here am I a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.